Kia ora and welcome to Design Assembly Conversations. In this series, we talk to Aotearoa New Zealand designers, hear their stories and celebrate their work. I'm Louise, Design Assembly founder, and today I'm talking to Stephen McCarthy. Stephen is founder and co-creative director of McCarthy Design, based in Otatahi, Christchurch. He's been designing for over 25 years, has worked in small and large studios, made five albums in band Pine and toured internationally, and has a passion for design for social impact, having helped shape wellbeing response work after the quakes in Christchurch and COVID wellbeing response on a national scale. Personal projects have seen him raise over $200,000 for charity with design-based solutions, campaigns and tactile objects in response to pandemics, terrorist attacks and natural disasters. Hi, Stephen. Morning, how are you? Good, thanks. How are you doing? Good, yeah, great. Thanks for joining me on the Design Assembly Conversations podcast. I'm really excited to hear about your story this morning. I um, kind of made the decision not to do too much research into you so that I could enjoy finding out about your um, journey as we talk today. Cool. I don't know if there's much out there about me, but um, (laughs) short and sweet. Well, I quite liked your um, website that was about yourself specifically um, as a person in your career and um, as a creative director. That was Yeah, it's interesting. I only did that two weeks ago, which is quite funny. I thought I'd better have this thing, I don't know, just so it's, it's actually really nice sometimes to realise you do this for such a long time. Mm. I mean, it's like you forget all the things you do. And when you put it in one place, it's like, oh, there's quite a bit of stuff there. And it's just... Yeah, it's good for someone else to be, what do you do? And like, oh, here's the work I do, but here's what I've done in life. And it's it's kind of quite varied and it's it was a good thing to do. Yeah, yeah. it's really nice. And obviously having that extra layer and being your own website and, and well-designed rather than on your LinkedIn profile. That's right. Well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. So, um, yeah, let's start at the beginning. And um, I'd love to know kind of, about your, you know, early life and and how you found yourself um, being interested in in design as a pathway. Yeah, um, I guess when I was a kid, I used to be able to draw pigs really well. This is a weird thing, eh? And my mum and dad were like really impressed with how I could draw pigs <laughs> and sculpt. I don't know where that came from. We never had pigs. We had yeah. budgies. Um, so yeah, they gave me this really weird thing like you can draw pigs great and skulls. And I think my parents thought, oh, why are you drawing skulls? Is there something wrong? You're kind of dark. But I just used to draw those all the time. So that's my first memory of kind of being that creative kind of person, mm. drawing those things. Um, and then I think the design, I mean, it's funny, you go at school, left in the seventh form, not really knowing even what a design career, or even thinking at that stage of a design career. I just think I liked reading magazines, looking at posters, and kind of being creative. I never really thought at that age, oh, this is a career and people do this for a job. Mm. Um, did you take art as a subject at high school or yeah yeah I did and I think I was notorious I remember looking back at the things I copied stuff I remember I got called out once I was doing this big art piece my art teacher was like I've seen that before I realized I totally plagiarized it but then I realized all the other guys around me this was at Nelson College they were doing the same thing um and there was a bit of a craft in that actually making stuff look, look good I remember I found something the other day too I remember as a 16-year-old, I painted skateboards for all the other kids at school. So they, they were into skating. I thought I was a skater. I was pretty bad at it. Yeah. But they would bring me their $15 a blank deck to the head and bring me a skating magazine, and I would paint, just paint skateboard decks for them for 15 bucks. And it was oh, awesome. About, maybe about three weeks. They actually looked pretty good. I look back on it. I showed a friend, and he could pretty tell the difference. But, mm. yeah, um, I think I made $30 in a year. Yeah. That. 
Maybe that's that um, collision right there of, you know, art and commerce leading you into design. I remember as a, um, I think I was kind of first started at about 14 and I went through a phase of making um, rings out of um, FEMO or that modelling clay. I did that um, too. And I, and I um, had some in a shop for sale. Yeah. So I kind of always had a little, um, you know, side hustle. I And then I taught art classes with a friend and, so it's quite interesting if you start to think about, um, you know, kind of what you were doing and interested in, plus that art aspect. That's right. Yeah, I remember I painted window, Christmas window displays in my school mm. holidays. That was a thing. And that's where I realised that I could actually make money. I worked at a butcher's yeah. shop after school, um, doing something with several, uh, helping make saveloys. It was awful. <laughs> and I realised there's got to be a better way. You're right. Yeah. And that's where it started. Like, I could use art and design and make some money. And you make mm. more money. And I'd paint little Christmas elves on windows. Um, and yeah, so I realised you could actually have a career from it. Yeah. And then I think my parents encouraged me to, um, well, well, you know, what are you going to do? So I applied to the uh, the Viscom course at um, Christchurch Polytechnic mm. down here, and yeah, and I didn't get in. And it's like, oh, why? What? And I just, oh, this will be easy. And you know, I look back and I realised I made quite a few spelling mistakes in the, um, right. the entry. And that's <laughs> a big thing for me now. I don't know how or why, but I seem to better spot spelling, spelling mistakes. Yeah. Just like that. So that's a really big big thing for me. But yeah. Mm. Um yeah, so I didn't didn't get in to the cause. Mm. And and at the time, you know, I wasn't I didn't feel bummed out about it or rejected. But um so then I thought, oh right. So I went overseas and played in bands as well. I guess that band stuff was quite a big thing for me leaving school. We were in a band and um yeah, we had one year. I guess it's the art side of design, but we were just uh, we met this older dude, ran a nightclub, and he just said, I want you three guys to play music five hours a day, five days a week, and I'm gonna pay you 250 bucks a week, and you have to help clean my nightclub. So we were like, Yeah. So we just played music for a year in a band after leaving school. So I guess that was a way again of thinking that, you know, this kind of artistic way, and it wasn't design, but it was more creative out there became something that, oh, there's a career in this too, that band. I mean, and I've been doing music ever since in different mm. formats. None of it's really made money, but it's that creative, creative outlet, I guess. That's amazing. I mean, that's every, you know, young person's kind of, if you're a creative or musician in particular, to be able to play music and get paid for it. Yeah, and, and we got really good, and that's where mm. I learned too, that whole practising your, your craft and yeah. doing stuff. So we were practising all day, every, every day, and that's yeah. what we did. And we were 18, and we actually got really good at what we did. Um, mm. Yeah, then went overseas and then came back, and actually the same guy, so this was a thing. So it's good talking about this. It brings back mm. all the stuff. But the same dude, and I'm friends with him now. He's 75 now, mm. and he kind of started me on that path as a bit of a mentor. He wasn't really a designer. He really wasn't a designer, but he managed – he was a guy. He managed our band and did stuff. Yeah. Then when I came back from overseas, he said, oh, I started this kind of design and publishing thing. Basically, we were doing newsletters for the Tasman District Council and Nelson. Right. It was a, like for the for the ratepayers, you know, this is where your rates are going, the pool's open. So he said, look, you've come back, a new year from band stuff, do you want to come and help me out? Mm. Um, and I was like, okay, I don't know much about this. It's kind of creative. So I ended up saving up by my own computer, bought PageMaker, which was the thing in the yeah. day. <laughs> it cost me 1500 bucks to buy, which is a big wow. deal as a, as a 20-year-old. You, you couldn't really pirate stuff, but anyway, you shouldn't pirate stuff. It's <laughs> So then that was my first design job was working um, for a local newspaper. I was writing music reviews um, and also we were designing newsletters. And, mm. you know, it was, and it was pretty, it was kind of pretty boring stuff, but I kind of learned how to use a computer, which was a good thing. And again, then I wasn't really thinking this is going to be a creative career. It was just something to do. Um, but I learned to inject a bit of 
I guess my own character in that stuff. It's mm-hmm. designing stuff for the rates and the paper is pretty boring. But then you could start to come up with headlines that you think were a little bit clever or start to, you know, we were literally using a floppy disk with clip art. That was our only thing. I think at that stage we didn't even know how to put a picture or do that. I was learning all that stuff. But to inject your own bit of that personality into it, um, helping people maybe smile a bit or read a headline in a different way or a layout being slightly different to realise that you could have this kind of boringish thing, but you can do a bit of what you're into and start to mould it into a bit of a thing. Um, yeah, and and having that opportunity to combine um, the words and the copy as well as the images, right? Like that's actually a very important skill as a designer and, and we often get called upon to go into that area. So, Yeah, that's become a big thing, mm. I think, what I do too, my daily thing. I mean, I, I wouldn't say I'm the best craftsman or anything yeah. like you know a team around me here there's lots of people with way better strengths and that sort of stuff but that that language and that idea and that how we do a brand campaign mm-hmm. is the communication that's yeah. you know sometimes it, well it is it's the language and, and what we're saying is just as important as the visuals so I think that's where I kind of come in I guess looking back I learned that from from way back way back there that's where that kind of started and it sounds like I mean correct me if um, I'm wrong but it sounds like you're fairly kind of roll with the punches and find the good in a situation in terms of um, what you can learn. Um, And I think, you know, that is very true because for a lot of especially young designers, um, yeah, you may have a job which, uh, that entry-level job, and you think, oh, no, you know, this is where can I really go with this? But there is always that that opportunity to look at the situation and see how you can change it and better it and and also, as you say, um, inject your own personality. Yeah, I guess it's been yeah. the opportunist thing for me mm. heading along has been the thing. It's 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 making the most of those things. You write yeah. that job at the start. If I have now been at Polytechnic or university and been offered that job now, yeah. I'd probably look at it and go, oh, no, that's, that's really boring. It's, yeah. oh, I don't want to do that. I want to be designing award-winning stuff mm. over there. But it's just a, a stepping stone. And I guess mm. my whole career has been these these mini stepping stones. So. From there, I mean, I'll, I'll keep going on that wet yeah. journey. Is, um, I was based in Nelson, and I thought, I need to move to the big smoke, Christchurch. Yeah. <laughs> how, am I, how am I going to get a job in Christchurch? So I literally designed a wet business card up, um, and I sent it out to all the – I just went through the yellow pages at that time mm. and sent it out to all the design agencies I could find, sent it out. And basically, you know, I thought I was great, and I'm going to do all this great design. One person got back to me out of yeah. 50. And that was it. And then I thought, okay, I've got to actually make the most of that opportunity. So I mm. drove down um, and I visited them and they're like, oh, who are you? And I said, oh, you're the, you're the people that responded to me. Um, and then I, I just I just bugged them. Now, at that stage, um, I don't think there was even email back then. There wasn't. It, you yeah. know, I, was, I was phoning them. And finally they said, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, you've been bugging me a lot. We'll, we'll give you a job. Yeah. And so because of that determination, I got this job. And, again, it wasn't that glamorous this was mm. a billboard company at the time that was making it was paper billboards we used to make billboards and big strips that went up mm. and I was in charge of the machine that kind of clean stuff and then from there I started they got me said oh do you want to design a logo and do some stuff there so again no no formal training I guess and mm. if I look back on that you know I, I don't remember any fear of that you kind of had this self-belief that I can do this and it doesn't matter if you fail um so I started doing logos for them um and they were terrible, and started helping design some of the posters. Um, and I remember my first job there, the scary part was I was using Photoshop at the time. It was Photoshop, yeah. Photoshop 3. It didn't <laughs> didn't have layers. There was no layers. And my first job was making a, a a montage, I guess, for a company called Scope. And so how do you do montages and blend photos together with no layers? Mm. 
So I was, I was doing that. And from there, the opportunist nature, I guess, struck in again. So we had design agencies come into us to get their billboards printed. So I thought, oh, they're doing better stuff than what I'm doing. So I just said, hey, I'm, I'm here. Can I get a job with you? So I got a job with a, another agency in Christchurch. And from there, I learned digital stuff. And then I got another job with a different agency and just kept going like that until I mm. thought, I'll do my own thing. Mm. And it's where I am now. So it's that, that little stepping stones of journeys with no big, great plan, but it just worked out. Yeah, and that allow it sounds like that's allowed you to kind of take those opportunities up in terms of not having a set pathway. Do you kind of do you have kind of underlying um, kind of values or an intention in terms of the way that you want to live your life that's perhaps underpinned that? Yeah, I guess, and I'm trying to think of it with the design side. I mm. mean, I think I, it's very much about I somehow that kind of behaviour change stuff has been quite important. I think mm. between design that actually um, makes you feel something or can change, not change or oh, I guess it is change, but just just influence. Rather than doing, I think I come from a place of not, I'm not the best craftsman, but a beautiful piece of design. Mm. I, I can't really do that bit about that communication. So having, having a design, I guess a design that can make people either laugh or or think something different is something that's important. And that's come through in the personal things I've done as well. Yeah. Design, that, design that can affect change, I guess, in some way. It's mm. uh, been a bit of a And had you always thought that you might like to do your own thing and work for yourself? Um, it was never a big plan at the start, mm. to be honest, but it just kind of came about. I was working in a design agency called Strategy. They're still around down here. And they, but, you know, back then it was like 25 staff. Mm. Um, it's pretty big and one of my heroes because um, I was really influenced by that band stuff at the start to fly yeah. Nana Records and all the stuff and all those guys were making um, posters just lots of hand drawn stuff like the tall dwarfs and the bats mm. and the clean everything was again you had that self-belief that the music was good and that your your craft was good it, and it, again those posters and if you look back they have a real ethos of that time. So I was working with a guy called Alec Bathgate mm-hmm. um, at Strategy at the time. So he was in a band called The Tall Dwarfs um, with Chris Knox. And we thought, oh, we'll maybe do this ourselves. He was he was ready for a change. I was ready for a change. So we started out in Christchurch and had a little um, studio together. We were quite separate, but we were together um, doing our own thing. And that was probably two months before, no, six months probably before the first big Mm. earthquake in Christchurch and then that changed things pretty yeah. dramatically. Did you have kind of a stable of clients before the earthquakes hit or? Um, well, not really. Even even leaving and doing my own thing, again, like my wife had a really good job at the time and she got made redundant. And it's mm. like, I'm starting the business and my wife just got made redundant. This is kind of crazy. Um, but but no, and it was just again. I think it's been, and I've learned with design or just with the industry. It's about. Mm. It sounds cliche, but it's about being a good person too. It's about these, you know, getting rid of the egos, all this stuff. Talking with people, you know, our thing as designers too. We're, most designers are kind of quite shy and networking events and things where you go hang out with people. Those things are important. It's just the connections you make over the years, and I still have clients with those connections that I made way back when I first started. And I guess it's not having an agenda with talking to them. It's just just getting involved and a little bit out of your, out of your comfort zone. Whereas designers, I've seen designers at, at events and even, you know, you kind of hide in the shadows yeah. and you don't really want to talk to people. But those connections you make are, are really important down the track. Definitely. And I think connecting just as humans to each other really within the design community 
um, and forming those relationships um, in a, you know, yeah, like you say, in a real manner and, and getting know, to know people and, um, yeah, they, they can last a lifetime really and professionally and personally. And I yeah. think that's where the um, sometimes where social media and internet has kind of made that a bit problematic. I do, mm. f- I do find sometimes is even younger designers can kind of get a little bit sheltered in that world and I'll do this and people see my stuff on Instagram or, yeah. or do that and it's a very narrow, narrow path. Um, but I think you, you've got to go a bit wider to widen everything or else you'll just get you stuck in that little realm and you won't want to talk to anyone. And, yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and I mean, obviously we've had um, a couple of years with um, COVID and especially for, you know, students or people just entering the um, professional community, it must be hugely challenging because we've not been going to these um, events and, and mingling with people so much. And I went to um, an event a couple of weeks ago and it was a um, celebration of um, 1972 and, and the um, impact that year had in terms of um, gay rights in New Zealand. Um, it was a book launch, so I took my daughter along. Um, and but I just was like, oh God, yeah, I've missed this. Um, because it was it was, you know, kind of about design, but it was um an adjacent community and it was still in the kind of creative sector. But um yeah, it's just hugely inspiring and and you meet different people. And I just thought, yeah, I've got to get got to make sure I um get out there again to all of these different types of events, because as you say, they you know, you meet different people and they can inform your design as well. So 2008, wow, um, six months into working as a studio, that just must have been huge to have such a major event in Christchurch. Yeah, like we had a little studio in Manchester Street in Christchurch and this was mm. the this was before the very first, there was that, I remember that there were two earthquakes, I've seen the mm. first one. So our building was one that was on the news, our little studio that we had was totally demolished. Wow. All the stuff inside to that that was gone, and that yeah, that changed again. I thought Rachel, my wife, was making famine, starting a business. Now there's an earthquake. Like, yeah. it's totally, totally all over. And I remember really freaking out. That was pretty anxious around that time. Mm. But then that's when things actually changed. And I think that's when it kind of started to form. Why, you know, I never really thought about why I did design. It was just yeah. a thing you did. I like being creative, but then I thought this can have a much bigger purpose. Um, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll, and it really informed yeah, why I do what I do, and it's stuck with me now. So I guess after mm. that, that earthquake, um, then, then the big one sort of happened. Um, and then, you know, Christchurch was in a bit of a state, mm. and what's going to happen? So we, we got involved with a, um, through the Canterbury District Health Board, a, a client called All Right. And that was really about, okay, how do we handle this thing that's happened and try to help with the resilience and the well-being and mental health of people in Christchurch? And I didn't even really, I think even at that time, the words well-being and mental health, uh, it wasn't really words that we kind of used. Mm. Didn't even really know what that was. So we started doing design around that and very, very simplistic, just um, yeah, helping people realise that what they felt was okay. Some people, I have a house and it was, nothing was wrong with it. And I always felt guilty. It's like other people's houses were gone, liquefaction everywhere, but I lived at somewhere and my house was totally fine. Mm. And now it felt like, oh, there's a bit of an opportunity design-wise. Like we had some work to do. So business was that was gonna was actually gonna be doing okay. And, and it was okay to feel all these things. Um, so I started on that journey with this client, all right, that we've had for like 12 years. Um, the funding is just finally run out, the government sort of funding and Ministry of Health funding. Yeah. That stopped, but that 
doing that work for the last 12 years or so has really helped inform and get us more work in that space. It's been incredible. I've learned heaps from it. I've learned heaps culturally. Back in those days at the start, it was like, yeah, just put a koru on it. Yeah. It'll be fine. And it's just, no, you can't do those things. And having a, a one client like that for such a long time, um, you know, that must provide its own kind of opportunities and challenges as well in terms of keeping it relevant and fresh and yeah, they were very trusting of us um, mm. all the way through and there was a great leader, Sue Turner, who ran that. She's retired mm. now too, but she was just very trusting and, you know, we'd win a few awards along the way and do things. And it wasn't either about the awards or anything mm. like that. It was really about the, the change that stuff could bring. Mm. And, again, there'd always be research, you know, it feels very good to say, oh, we did this wellbeing campaign and look how much it helped people. And sometimes yeah. I just don't, I don't believe a lot of that stuff. It's like mm. people say that, but... How and what did it do? Mm. And you put these things up and are they really reaching anyone? But there would always be, after every campaign, a lot of research that happened that delved deep to find out, is this actually working? Yeah, fantastic. Doing stuff to make sure it was relevant. Um, Because I find too, even in that space, that even now I find the wellbeing word is is used a lot. Um, And it's got to make sure that it's authentic, that businesses aren't jumping on the bandwagon in a way sometimes Mm. of using these words to to say the right things, you know, it has to actually be, be doing some good. Yeah, definitely. And I was just going to ask, you know, how do you measure that change? So that's amazing to have a client that then has those resources to conduct that research. Yeah. See that. And that's yeah. led on to now. So from that, we started doing more national work. So when, again, mm. you know, it's kind of when things go bad, we get more work, which is a very weird thing. But yeah. I've come to terms with that and thinking, well, someone's got to do it and it's good that mm. we can because we know stuff. So then we started working with the Mental Health Foundation mm. um, and with the government response to COVID, but really in that wellbeing space. So it became taking what we learned from right to a much more national space. And again, I remember just before COVID hit in a big way, we kind of knew that we were going to go to lockdown in about three or four days, I think, mm. maybe before other people knew that was happening. And we're like, we've got to come up with a campaign, an idea that can work. While we're all at home, we know we're not going to be working in the office. It's going to be simple enough. It's just going to be a very simple illustrative idea that we can roll that really quickly. So we had to think really fast on our feet from there. And how did you find that lockdown as a team? I mean, you'd already been through, you know, the earthquakes and maybe you'd been working remotely before that. Yeah, I mean, we all Mm. all do it quite differently. I mean, Mm. personally, I I got really energised by just working by myself I think sometimes I, I personally work better by myself yeah. as a team here I think it's the complete opposite everyone else likes to work together and most creatives do as a as a team environment mm. where we're talking and bouncing ideas around with everyone so everyone everyone found it very different um, yeah I got energised and other projects kind of self-initiated projects came yeah. out of that time as well yeah, actually, uh, I printed out the um, lockdown diaries for my two girls for the last lockdown in August oh, um, cool. 2021. So my yeah. nine-year-old's completed that and right. we've um, laminated the front and bound it up so she can keep that for prosperity and show other people. Cool. And so, it's, it's a thing I learned too with all that stuff too, that sometimes, I mean, we're very much into at McCarthy crafting stuff and making the best it can, but sometimes... It's a weird thing to say as a designer, but craft can get in the way of communication. And I've, I've found for things um, like that lockdown diary, I'm not really an illustrator. It didn't look great, um, but it was like I had to respond to something in two days, get it out there, almost first 
mover advantage because then lots of people were doing lockdown stuff. And then it started to have a like, and I think we had 160,000 downloads. And, you know, it was all free. I was just doing that in my spare time. You could download it for free. Um, and again, that moving fast too has been a big thing I've learned. Like when the mosque shootings happened down here, we thought, how could we respond with that um, in a way? And again, you've got to kind of, you've got to respond quick while it's on people's minds. How can we help? So we created the um, Kutahi Tanga pin, yeah. this little pin. That night, me and a guy, we, we sketched it and we thought, how do we turn it into something? So I think within a week, we'd made it into a physical thing and it, and it was done. We could have crafted that more and spent more time, but we had to kind of get it out there and do it. Yeah. And I think in a way in my career, it's a weird one. I think that's one of the things I'm most proud of. To me, it feels like, you know, I raised 120 grand for victim support. It's just the most simplest symbol. It doesn't need these words around it to say anything. Mm. And, and it resonated with people. And I think that's a essence of, of good design so I love that stuff that can you can do stuff for people yeah 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 and I think you're right you know knowing when to to stop crafting something so that it can have that impact and that and that life in the real world um yeah. it's yeah I mean something potentially that comes with experience I guess um and having that confidence and um to know when to stop and, and put it out there yeah, and it's a lot of yeah. luck too, you know, yeah. these things and it's people you know along the way. You know, with that, I kind of knew the editor of press at the time just mm. through stuff and so I'm like, hey, we've done this thing. Do you think this could be something you could promote? And so they put an ad out on stuff. Mm. And so, and again, that only came from you know, being a bit more confident in the past yeah. and going to events and talking to people and all those mm. things. So what would you say that you do day to day now? What does your a work day look like for you? Yeah, well, it's really different. And I think this is the thing that, um, you know, when you start a design business at the start, you, you're doing a lot of design. And that's mm. what I was doing. But as you move along, you employ staff, um, you're managing clients. And my my day-to-day, personally, mm. I'm not doing anywhere near as much design work. I mean, there are way better designers in the studio than me. Than me. Um, it's more it's more the overview of, of thinking. I mean, I, my you know, campaign ideas mm. and, and sketching. Sketching's become a very, I mean, I always started out that way, um, just sketching ideas. So having the iPad and the pencil and just drawing ideas that way mm. has been my thing. So I guess I feed into the team, I've got a campaign idea to do. I'll draw just really rough sketches and they'll be super rough. And I think that's been a good way of getting things, I've learned too, getting things across with clients and clients. Yeah. And that used to be how we designed 20 years ago that, you just do some sketches and they'd sign it off. And I think still people still get that. They don't need to see that totally finished mocked up piece to really yeah. understand that's the idea and it's going to work. And a beautifully mocked up piece at the start can kind of sometimes get you into trouble mm-hmm. because they think it's going to look like that. But if I do a crappy little sketch and that person has no neck, all the stuff that works out, I can't draw necks on people. Like I can't. All my drawings have no necks. I don't know where that came from. Yeah, so um, – yeah. Day-to-day is very, mm. very much that kind of overseen. So I have a creative partner and partner in business, um, Matt, and he's more, I guess, more design director as well, overseeing the design side of things. Mm. Yeah, so I'm dealing with clients, looking for new business opportunities, uh, getting briefs, taking briefs, helping out, give thoughts on campaigns uh, within the office and design, but not so much on the tools. Like, you know, I'll be the worst person to sit down and design a crafted book mm. with grids and guides and stuff. I just, it's about knowing your limitations too. I think mm. everyone's got different strengths. Um, yeah. And I've worked out what mine are and kind of stick to those. Yeah, and as you go along, it really is that journey of finding out, as you say, what you're good at, but also, you know, what it is that you enjoy. 
And it's great that you can, um, you know, change and evolve and have different, um, wear different hats and within design, but still, you know, keep connected to that love of design. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So do you have a, a project that really stands out for you um, for, you know, for its impact or for the craft or whatever reason that it is? Yeah, I guess, I mean, personally was the Kotahitanga pin. That was mm. a personal one for me that was good. I guess in the in the studio there's um, the design we did for Tiwaka, which is a Littleton Museum. Um, yeah, and that was a that was a great project that um, Joel, one of our designers here, worked on. Um, it was creating a typographic system based um, just around simple shapes for a museum, again, for a museum that doesn't actually exist yet. They're fundraising mm. for it. Um, so that's, that's been a great one. It's very, very simple solution to that. The simplest of solutions kind of seem to work best. Um, I guess, were, I mean, there's one at the moment that we're doing. Like we just we started, we're doing the rebrand. Um, uh, we're working in collaboration with a couple of other companies with Naitahu. So we're rebranding them at the moment, which we're just starting out the journey. And that's just, just fascinating so far. You know, there's probably 100 workshops or so before we actually get into any design. We're just mm. listening. We're going visiting the Marais, talking with people, finding out what, who means to them what it is as a brand where, where it needs to go even people that we're talking to you know don't really understand what a brand is or why would we even need a brand so we and we're very much you know we are we are non-maori and we are this design that we're doing we are, are listening and learning taking that and we're going to be working with um, artists and carvers traditional contemporary artists and this is going to be a huge project where all of that will really inform the design mm. that, that we're doing. So it's it's scary and really exciting as well. But mm. that's yeah, it's so in the middle of that. We just started. It's probably a, a one one and a half year project. That we're just yeah, to and it's that chance to um, slow down and really get to know the people that you're yeah. working with, as the clients and the community, and um, you know that such a long project uh, can be quite challenging in a way. And how do you, um, you know, kind of stay fresh within that or um, kind of chart the progress with, for the team? Yeah, um, it's, yeah, because I guess it is quite early days with like mm. two months in um, and lots of check-ins along the way. Yeah. Yeah, it's tricky. We haven't really started the design part. It's going to be interesting mm. to get into that as well. Mm. So not sure yeah. yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I know you always seem to have a personal project on the on the go. Um, so do you see that as a kind of personal design practice or more of a general creative practice? And and how does that inform your day to day? Yeah, I guess bringing in a bit of cheekiness and humour to stuff is something mm. I like with design. I guess it's it's funny I showed someone a wee project the other day. It's that, that childlike thing. I think mm. talking on that level of, of kids because it's so simple um is, is a big thing for me and um, just doing fun stuff I think sometimes the world of design that we do can get quite corporate you know you're rebranding lawyers or you're, you're mm. working for art gallery or you're you're doing stuff that's quite corporate branding to help businesses mm. I think just getting down to that level to help help people do things and it's all about helping people I mean I'm doing a wee kids game at the moment it's about yeah. sounds and it's based on something I just did with my goddaughter when she was two. And it's, again, just basically sitting on the end of her bed when she was yet two, and it's about making silly sounds. I thought, how can I bring that into a design thing? So I'm trying to get that off the ground. Um, and, again, I'm doing a wee, um, a, did a wee book called Month Done. And, again, it seems a bit mm. silly, but it's all about 
you know, not drinking alcohol. I haven't had a drink six years, never mm. intended to do that. I started to do it for a month and it's just continued. So I've made this wee book that can help you do that in a bit of a silly way. Things, yeah, things like that. And they've all got a, they've all got a common theme, I guess. They're all they're all trying to make something better, whether it's through a bit of a laugh or something, a serious subject, but done in a more humorous or quirky way. Mm. And do you have other ways that you kind of disconnect then from, you know, design and um, and from life so that you can then reconnect? Yeah. I guess um, it's funny. Walking's been a big thing for me lately. I yeah. live at the beach in summer and I've started mm. to go for – I had a oh, story. I had a bit of a knee injury, so I couldn't mm. do exercise for a year. And then now I've got back into it. And just walking every morning, um, probably about 5.36 along the beach, it's been great. And I'm trying to do that every day. And it's funny how that can – actually start to think of design things. So I'm very much that, you know, looking on design blogs and looking around that, I, I just don't really do much of that stuff. I just not where I kind of get my ideas from. Um, but it's looking for the weird things, going to bands, seeing stuff. But on that, that morning walk, you know, that's where I think you get, even you're not trying to get design ideas. But the other yesterday there was it was dark and I've started to notice that people walk in these three pugs I see all the time. They've got these little lights on. Yeah. From a distance, from a distance, all I could see was these jumping lights that were just mm. jumping in the, in the dark sand. And I thought, oh, that could become, Mahariki's coming up, we need to do this idea with that, something about lights and maybe we could attach lights to dogs. So I think if you start to think yeah. of, of things and look for different things in different ways, there's always design elements kind of there that you bring in when you're not looking to it. Yeah, um, yeah music's quite a big thing for me too. I mm. play the drums, so that's a good way to disconnect. I guess it's still creative. Yeah, I think that physicality of moving your body as well. Um, often I think we forget that the brain is a physical part of our um, body um, and so that very much um, kind of exercising that in a physical way, you know, can set off those um, connections in, in terms of design. Yeah. So, you know, you've been working in the industry for a while um, and what would you say some of the, you know, biggest changes have been that you've seen? Um, yeah, I guess um, in our work, I mean, I'm trying to think of the biggest change in the design that happened yeah. in that time. I can when PDFs got got invented. Yeah. It's was a huge game changer way back then. And I don't know if it's made things better or worse. Mm. But then you'd send stuff to a client and, oh, well, it's, to make a change was a big deal. Now clients can mark up PDFs, do yes. what they want, change everything. So it's become a blessing and a curse. Mm. Um, but the biggest change re- recently I've seen is, I guess, more of the social media side of stuff mm. of designing work, designing a brand that used to be you design a brand mark and a logo and there'll be business cards and some stationery that went out. I can't remember the last time we ever designed anyone a business card. We don't have business cards. Mm. Um, and it's more when we do a brand now, it's about emotion is a really big part of it. So, you know, a couple of the team here are heading down that route and we always show mm. how how things move and how things work in that realm. And that's a big, big part of the brand. So emotion coming in is a big way and the social media side, how we're, yeah, we're trying to inform clients, you know, we can do this design of a brand for you, but where's it going to live? Where's it going yeah. to sit? What's it going to be seen as? And it's like, oh, social media channels. Well, how's that going to look? Yeah. So we design up how all that looks as well. Um, and I think that ties back into kind of what you're saying about it being good enough as well and, and having that impact because, um, you know, it's going to, potentially like live and move and change so much on social media um, and it moves so quickly that you've got to kind of get the design out there and talking to the audience and the community and having that yeah. two-way conversation. 
and even presentations the way that we used to present you know yeah. it used used to be that we'd print out a3 uh, yeah. pages and everyone would sit around and go through that then it mm. became we're presenting on the screen then it became sharing over zoom yeah and sending a pdf and now we're fine we're presenting more in figma so it's basically mm. just, just done then and there so there's not actually a physical thing to send to someone it's just a link to a file Mm. So it's it's all changing pretty fast. And um, finally, before we wrap it up, um, mm. what are your words of wisdom for other designers and creatives practicing out there? Um, I reckon just look, look around for the things not in the design world. I mean, it's good to be immersed in that design and look around for stuff, but just just go to things. I think, and mm. you know, for me, like going to live bands or live acts, getting out to gigs, going to the art gallery. Uh, going for walks, seeing other stuff that isn't in the design world I think will make you create better design, that you'll see things like I saw those little pugs mm. jumping and dancing with the lights on. That can create a design idea that I would never have seen or thought of if I had gone into um, a design blog or a design site or another studio. So I think make sure you do that. Um, I've got to say I can't spell cheek. It's a real big one for designers. I'm just yeah. going to say, I mean, <laughs> I think it can, you know, the design could be as if, and most amazing as you can. But if you spell that one word wrong, it just creates a little niggle in the um, client's mind. Oh, it's, yeah, I've seen that happen over and over again. So just make sure you sort that as well when you're doing the design. So it sounds yeah. so small and petty, but it's quite a big thing. I think, though, it's that um, mix of the macro and the micro. So it's being a citizen of the world, being a participant, um, and then having that attention to detail. And right yeah. there, you've got good design. And I think don't be afraid to bring up ideas. I know in a studio mm. environment, even here, sometimes when we give out a brief and people come back with ideas, I can see that sometimes people are scared to kind of show the idea they think it's a bit crap or mm. I won't share that with the group. But make sure you do. Even the silliest of ideas can mm. spur something else within your team or your group to go, oh, that's cool, but how can we do this or do that? So just never be afraid to just speak up or do stuff. And that's, I guess, how my career has happened, from being that mm. opportunist, trying to do stuff, kind of facing you might get rejected but in a way so what um you might get accepted and move on to something else if i hadn't have asked that studio where i worked in another studio have you got any jobs can i come and work there i never would be where i am now so just being a bit more bolder um don't be afraid of failing yeah that's just right tell, tell people your silly ideas because silly ideas are good <laughs> yeah that, and i think you know as designers we can get hung up on wanting to have that perfect end product so, um, yeah, definitely. Don't be afraid of bad ideas. Sometimes they turn good. Yep, it's a... <laughs> Namahi, um, Stephen, thanks so much for joining me today. It's been great to um, learn more about where you've come from and your journey and um, what it is that you do today. Great, thank you.